Well, let's check in uh, that number coming in at 0, 0.0, well below expectations here. So uh, let's check in with uh, Bob Iaccino, the founder of the Chief Strategist of Path Trading Partners. He's joining us this morning. Bob, I'm hoping you've had a chance to look at the number. It uh, looks like it came in a bit pleasing in, in terms of some of those inflationary concerns, the pressures. We've been hearing a lot of talk about peak uh, inflation, and it does seem to be signaling that we've seen it. So definitely on the rate of change, this is uh, good news. You're seeing the markets rally from it. The thing I want to caution people about is the core year over year is unchanged from last month. So it's not lower. It's 5.9. It's lower than expected. It did not go up, but it's unchanged from last month. Now, that month over month number at zero is critical. The interesting part about that, Bank of America put out a chart um, about two weeks ago or so, showing that if that month over month number were zero going forward, okay, for the entire year, the year over year headline number would be at 6.3%. So this 8.5% while good news, this 5.9% core rate while lower than expected, still even with the prior, people talk about peak inflation, but what they have to realize when you look at a set of numbers like this, is this is the change in inflation, okay? Inflation is not going lower. On a month-over-month -month basis, inflation was unchanged. On a year-over-year -year basis, it grew at two-tenths of a percent less. It still grew on a year-over-year -year basis versus last year. So this number, while very good for the markets, uh, probably good for yields, I haven't had a chance to look at yields at this point. Uh, you're seeing the ES continue to rally as you're showing in this chart right here. Um, this is not likely to deter the Fed in its current form. Now, I would su suspect that with yesterday, the um, the CME Fed watch tool had a 75 basis point rate hike priced at about 67%. That's probably going to come down substantially. It's probably going to favor the 50% by the end of the day. But I think what we need to realize here is that these are not anywhere near the Fed's 2% target. Nowhere close. And because we had such a strong jobs number, and the Fed does not have to worry about its jobs mandate, remember, they're the only central bank in the world that has a dual mandate. The ECB is price stability. The Bank of England, price stability. Bank of Canada, price stability. The US Fed, jobs and price stability. They don't have to worry about the jobs component. So it's still, in my view, a scenario where the Fed can afford to be aggressive and make sure they put a cap on inflation now. Okay, a point taken, and I'd agree with you in many ways. Um, and also, I think it's important to remind everybody that this is just one of the uh, CPI numbers that the Fed's going to take a look at before the September decision, ultimately. And and but uh, to your point as well, Bob, and just your thoughts on market reaction too, because a sharp move higher in the ES right now. We're talking back to 4,200. We're now taking out these June highs, a level that I've been harping on for a while that we've been unable to breach. Uh, we started out this morning well into the number around 4140. We're talking a 50 point rally. I mean, this is significant. The ES is up almost one and three quarters percent. I'm looking at the NASDAQ, which is up two and a half percent. And you mentioned here that this should be good for yields. I assume you meant coming off. They are. Yes. And, and I suspect that this could be the number that catapults, uh, catapults, is that a word? Catapults? Catapults the ES up somewhere toward that 200 day moving average, which okay. really sits around 4330. It's not close. Okay, we're seeing us, uh, where's the the, the uh, futures contract right now is somewhere around what? 
Sorry, I got to look down. We're at 4191. That, that 200 day okay. moving average is at 4328, Bob, to your point. Yeah, it's, so it's, it's still quite a, ways a ways above. Away. Yeah. It's quite a ways away. And it's interesting to, to remember that the ES is still well below its 200, well below getting out of a bear market. And I also would hearken back to 2000 when during the course of a 78% move lower, the NASDAQ rallied as much as 45% in bear market rallies before it completed. This is before it completed. It's move all the way down to the 78% uh, bear market that it ended up being. So I would caution people in thinking that the bear market is over, but I do think we continue to drive higher. And I think we could see 4,300 um, in this next couple of days, unless the Fed speakers come out and absolutely put a cap on this. And I suspect that's where we're going to get a little bit of weakness in the ES going forward in the next, next couple of days. We don't have any significant Fed speeches, but we do have Jackson Hole in two weeks. Yeah. And that's likely to be where the Fed says, look, we still have to be vigilant and aggressive on inflation. They've been saying it this entire time. Bob, uh, what is gold spiking here this morning in reaction to this number telling us? It got up to 18, well, just shy of 1824. Well, it's telling us that the market believes, and, and I need to preface this with I am long gold, and I'm also long the ES, so I'm kind of talking my book a little bit okay. here. But it basically shows that the market believes the Fed has a cap on inflation or that the economy is going to slow enough to control inflation, one of the two. And that means more dollars in the market, theoretically, that the Fed won't be as aggressive in targeting. And you know there's an inverse relationship between the dollar and gold. I suspect the dollar is weakening right now as well, although I don't have a chart in front of me. Um, if you look at a dollar, the dollar is probably weakening, and that's likely the inverse reaction as we're seeing gold climb higher. So I'm going to pull up the dollar chart here. Give me one second, because uh, you're right, Bob. It is coming off significantly. That's about what you'd expect to see in terms of this move with the Treasuries to the downside. Bob, uh, it's been a while since we've seen market reaction like this. Here you can see uh, the move lower, as Bob mentioned, as suspected. It is coming off. We're talking from 106, Bob, down to 105. Look at this, a sharp move lower. The dollar's down over 1% right now. And I've got the NASDAQ up 2.25% as we speak. Bob, being long gold and long the ES right now, what do you want to see in terms of follow-through here? What's the best-case scenario over the next couple weeks? Well, I would say that you could you could see a little bit more follow-through up to that 200-day moving average if we get Fed speakers all the way through Jackson Hole who aren't as aggressive, who all of a sudden say, hey, we're starting to get a handle on inflation, even though, again, in the core CPI, they're more than double, they're almost triple their 2% inflation target. So for people to think that somehow this is going to be the Fed saying, okay, we can get off the the break a little bit. Yeah. We can ease up on monetary policy. It's not like Maybe not. Right. my view with a 5.9% core. The PCE is going to be more important. If the PCE drops, they may be able to say it a little bit. But now you're talking about 50 basis points or 25 basis point hikes. I don't think the market at this point is even pricing in 50. I know of a lot of voices out there who are saying the low is in in June, and it's possible that it is. Um, but again, you're still likely to see a more aggressive Fed and prices can spike higher again. Some of the big part about this is energy prices. Energy prices have come off, come off substantially, in part because of slower demand, in part because of the SPR, although that's probably the smallest bit of that crude oil demand, uh, or I'm sorry, of that crude oil price coming off that we're seeing. And also in part um, because of supply has not really been disrupted. We've seen Russian crude go to India and China, so the rest of the crude that India and China was buying was available on the open market. We did see 300,000 barrels a day come off with the uh, Kashigan field in Kazakhstan 
get interrupted by a gas leak. They had to actually shut production down. So we're losing about 300,000 barrels, which contrasts the 100,000 barrels that OPEC promised to add. But we've got OPEC later in the week as mm -hmm. well. We've got the IEA, mm -hmm. which will probably predict weaker demand as well. So that's likely to actually embolden OPEC to maybe not meet those production hikes. And you could see crude oil reverse, although I still have a 64.50 target on uh, crude oil futures. You know, Bob, I'm not sure if you saw the uh, EIA's uh, comment in the report yesterday. The, specifically, the comment that stood out to me, I should say, was that they said U.S. crude oil production in the forecast averages 11.9 uh, million barrels per day in 2022, 12.7 in 2023, which they said is going to set a record for the most U.S. crude oil production in the year. Uh, the current level record, I should say, they put at 12.3. Now, there was some debate in the office as to whether that was 13.1 or 12.3. 13.1, as far as my understanding, was an estimate uh, of U.S. production. And now it sounds like the actual was a little bit below that. But I guess uh, I don't want to necessarily split hairs in terms of what that actual <laughs> level is, the peak. But it sounds like they're expecting uh, increased crude production here in the U.S. But you and I have talked before about really the relief is going to come from increased refinery production, right, and the capacity to do so. Right. Currently, the U.S. is not filling its entire capacity for the wells that are already there, the wells that have already been drilled. The problem is, is we don't have a, we don't have a CapEx being put into those oil fields at this point. So there's still room to go. One of the things we saw that was interesting in this particular earnings season is Schlumberger and Transocean expect offshore drilling to grow and exceed 2014 levels. So that could actually fill that gap. Now, I know the record to be over 13 million. Okay. Um, but if the EIA says it's 12.3, then it's 12.3. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna, again, like you said, I'm not gonna split hairs yeah. over how many barrels right. are actually counted, because I'm not out there counting them. Right. So I'm gonna go ahead and go with the EIA, although, you know, I hope they haven't been politicized as well as some of the other branches of government reporting have been. But from that perspective, putting that aside, let's go with the 12.3. If we reach that 12.7 right now, that would be an estimate as well. That certainly wouldn't be the reality. So we got to see what the actual pumping does. But the weakness in demand is going to cause a bottleneck because there's uh, refining, capacity, refining capacity that hasn't been used to this point. We haven't had a 95 number in refinery utilization at this point. And if we do get to a 95 number, that's it for production. Production has to slow because we can't pump out anymore. And all of the crude oil exporting is, is restricted by transport of that crude oil. Hmm. So there's all kinds of supply chain problems in crude oil that existed pre-pandemic, and those still exist at this point. Uh, the EIA, and again, as you mentioned, we are still waiting from the IEA and OPEC tomorrow, but the EIA said U.S. retail uh, gasoline average 456 a gallon in July, uh, diesel 549. Now they expect prices to average 429 for the third quarter of 2022 and fall to an average of 378 in the fourth quarter of 2022. So they are expecting prices to come off in line with the trend we've been seeing. And, you know, Bob, we were talking about it yesterday. I mean, it's not just crude oil, grains, for example, metals. Uh, um, uh, all of these have really come off from those peak highs that we saw earlier this spring and basically just kind of wrap things up. I mean, that's what we're seeing in today's data, it looks like. Yeah, and outside of food, it's basically been decreased demand. I mean, China with the COVID zero policy has affected 
the industrial metals quite a bit. Their yeah. economy is slowing dramatically, so that affects demand quite a bit. Uh, gasoline usage in July 2022 was much lower than July 2021. Mm -hmm. So it's all basically been a falling demand story. And that's likely what the Fed wanted to drive in the first place in the areas that the Fed actually controls. They don't control consumption of energy or consumption of food, obviously. But food inflation is a very big factor in demand of that food. We had supply issues with the with Russia Ukraine, one of the places in ags and grains, it, that has been the biggest effect. And that seems to be easing as they come to agreements to be able to actually ship grains out, grain out of Ukraine, which has kind of led us to sort of a supply equilibrium. So a lot of that stuff has been affected. But again, I caution people, as you look at the last non-farm payrolls number, wages were up. Mm -hmm. The wage price spiral is going to be the most worry thing, worrisome thing about inflation going forward. When somebody gets a raise, they don't give it back. The only way they give that wage back is by being laid off or being fired. So wage increases are built into the system and are likely to stay. And that's why I caution people. Everybody should look at the consumer price index, not the rate of change. What we see when the CPI is released is we see the rate of change from last month and the rate of change from last year on both the core and the headline. Go to the FRED website, St. Louis Fed's website, and take a look at the consumer price index and watch how it's basically straight up. When people talk about um, about peak CPI, the only time the actual index seems to decline is in recessions. Hmm. So if you wanna see CPI decline, you're likely hoping for a recession, whether you know it or not. Bob, solid breakdown here this uh, Wednesday morning. We always appreciate you joining us here, but especially today, because there was a lot of attention on this number and uh, an outlier, to say the least, coming in significantly lower than expected. We're talking consumer price index, CPI data with Bob Iacchino, the founder of the Chief Strategy of Path Trading Partners. Bob, look forward to seeing you back here in the near future. A, uh, well, solid breakdown here today in terms of some of the fundamentals behind what's on the minds of traders and investors.